I had that glow. You know the one you have when you meet the love of your life at a wedding in Hawaii? And he wants to make you his forever. The one you have when you know that nothing can go wrong at 36. Well, it only took three little words to dim my light. I felt like I was jumped in a game, given these colors, the color pink. I soon learned there was nothing pretty in pink. Managing the ebbs and flows after a breast cancer diagnosis was never ending. Our life together was just beginning, but we had no future in sight. I'm now standing here in my chemo glow, willing to share my moments, because I soon learned that the glow doesn't define me. I define the glow. Hi guys, welcome to Chemo Glow, where the glow doesn't define me, I define the glow. Thank you guys so much for waiting on our new podcast series. We have a new website out there, so make sure you check us out at chemoglow.com. And please, please, please guys, check us out on YouTube. When you go to our YouTube page, I need you to make sure that you hit that subscribe button that's going on right there hit it. We are there. I want to make sure that everyone is listening and you know when we're coming on and you know what new podcasts we have or even some lives. You can also even check us out when we are doing our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And again, when we're live, we normally stream on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, And I'm working on the whole Twitter thing. This is all new to me. Social media is apparently where it's at and I need to get with the program. So please make sure you check us out on YouTube. We're there. And if you want to share your glow, go to chemoglow at gmail.com. Make sure you please share, follow, and subscribe. Again, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, We're everywhere. There's no reasons why you guys cannot find us or connect with us. I cannot wait to continue to do these podcasts and all the lives that we have coming up. I have so many, so many people coming on that I need to just do a bunch of recordings so I can bring stuff to you weekly. But my recording today, this podcast today is called The Third Wheel the lymphedema series, because I want to bring my guests back for an actual live so you guys can ask questions. But right now she's all mine. I get to chat with her. You guys get to listen and see what we're talking about when we talk about the third wheel. This guest is not just someone that I met. She is also a dear friend and she knows about this third wheel. I've been calling the third wheel since I was diagnosed. I call it the third wheel because it goes everywhere with me. It determines what I wear, how I feel sometimes, what I'm able to do. So it's a constant reminder of what I've been through. And that was very hard for me to get through during treatment because no matter what, people always seen my third wheel, even though they didn't know how 
to say things or ask me questions. And some things were quite hurtful. And if you know anything about going through cancer, you know that sometimes you go into the mode where you just want to beat something up and you cannot beat up cancer. But when somebody says something real simple to you, you think you want to go ahead and pass out that butt whooping you've been waiting for. So today I have my guest that helps me manage this thing called the third wheel. I'm going to go ahead and bring her on, Miss Valerie. How you Hello. doing? Hello. <laughs> Did it's you like my long. intro? I loved it. It's so true. It's, it's so, so appropriately true. named. The third wheel. Like you were about to say, it's been a long time coming. Um, Lymphedema is something that I live with and you work with and you see different different degrees of lymphedema. And it wasn't until I really got to you that I knew what lymphedema really meant. I was already in treatment for it, but it was a deeper meaning when I came to you because I had other different treatments that we were working on. But before we start talking about lymphedema, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and you know, where you work at, and then we'll dive into how you um, came about to work in this field. Well, as you already introduced my name, Valerie, (laughs) and I'm an occupational therapist. I went to Howard University and throughout my years as an OT, I worked in various fields from orthopedics to um, some pediatrics, um, neurology, but it wasn't until I started working in um, kind of oncology and lymphedema that I found my calling. And okay. I kind of came to um, lymphedema kind of in a roundabout way because it's not something that when I went to school for OT, you know, we learned everything about anatomy, kinesiology, you know, all the health sciences and cadavers. But um, the lymphatic system was kind of like that, that um black hole where nobody Mm -hmm. really talked about it. Um, There wasn't a lot known about it. So subsequently, we didn't learn a lot about it. So I basically came to a point in my um, career that I wanted to do something a little bit more hands-on because I'm a very hands-on person. And I I believe in like a healing touch. And I wanted to see how I could um, combine my OT with healing touch and Mm -hmm. um, started doing some research and um, went to training to learn to be a lymphatic therapist through the Dr. Bauder School. And through that, um, I just started being introduced to more and more people that had lymphedema. And there was two different types, you know, the primary and secondary. And mm-hmm. the secondary lymphedema, a lot of the patients that I had had experienced cancer. And so I just started kind of, um, you know, studying oncology also. And then mm-hmm. the two kind of melded pretty much. And I was so lucky to meet you. Now, before you got on your um, your journey with lymphedema and, and working with people, had you ever been, in, like, I call it the glow, introduced to cancer? How did cancer affect your life? Yeah, it wasn't until I was practicing, I think I was practicing for about at least eight years. Mm-hmm. And, and then I was diagnosed with breast cancer also. Mm-hmm. Luckily, it was in the early stages and I um, didn't have to have chemo, but I had radiation. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I kind of saw it as just another um, education on my road yeah. to becoming a lymphedema therapist because you can read about it and you can treat it all day long. But until yeah. you experience at least a part of it, and I'm not even trying to equate it to what a lot of my patients go through because 
I, you know, I had it very easy, but um, it's a lot easier to explain um, radiation fatigue or, yeah. um, you know, the pre-lymphedema symptoms that you get because I, I use my hands and I'm, I'm seeing like, I was seeing like eight patients a day and it's all very physical. You're doing a lot of lymphatic massage. So, you know, I myself had to wear a sleeve. I myself yeah. had to do the things that I was expecting of my patients. And, um, and one day when I, you know, I finished working and towards the end of the week, my arm would start to get full because it would mm -hmm. start to, it's just, you know, one of those things with lymphedema, you know, repetitive stress, your body's working a lot harder normally because there's a little bit of impairment to your lymphatic system. And um, I think I was going to a department store at the time and I um, saw a patient of mine who had their arm all wrapped up and multiple layers of bandages. And she had to open up that heavy door and mm -hmm. it just kind of, you know, struck home that, you know, I, I wrap people and then yeah. they leave the clinic. And a lot of times you don't see the day to day, even though, you know, you, you, you empathize, but just seeing somebody having to open up a, a heavy um, door with that hard lymphedema, heavy lymphedema wrap, just yeah. like that. The it heavy... just like was a aha moment also. Yeah. And I'm here with my, you know, my compression sleeve, which, you know, I was feeling it, but that person felt it a lot more. So that was very eye opening. Because it's truly a third wheel. And you talk about working with your hands mm -hmm. and you actually um, helped me when we were going through and one day I came to your office, I was quite warm. I don't know if you remember this. And I kept saying, I'm not feeling well. And you were touching me and you were like, Regina, you're a little warm. And I'm like, it's chemotherapy. It's radiation. And you were like, no, it's something else. By your touch and your, your healing, you were like, you need to call your doctor right now. Mm -hmm. And they wanted me to go to the emergency room. And you said, no, you need to go to your doctor. They need to admit you. And I called my husband. You had to call my husband. I went to the emergency room. And sure enough, I had an infection. Mm -hmm. I and it that. was after one of my, uh, we had just did uh, surgery. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were doing reconstruction surgery. And I had an infection after the surgery and I was mm -hmm. so warm to the touch and they admitted me right away. Mm -hmm. So you knowing, you know, I could go to a massage therapist and them not really know what's mm -hmm. going on, but you actually was like, no, it's something else. That mm -hmm. healing power in your hands, knowing what's mm -hmm. going on. Mm -hmm. That was so important. And you, I'm telling you, you played an important role in my healing process. That's, that's wonderful to hear. And I kind of yeah. equate my hands to, um, like a computer, you know, you're constantly mm -hmm. taking in information, taking in information and you're putting it somewhere, you know, whether you're um, trying to make an assessment, you're always making assessments mm -hmm. or um, kind of just uh, feeling what needs to be done, what needs not to be done. But you yes. know, it's just a constant um, like information gathering and processing. But yeah, I remember that day. Yeah, yeah. We've had a couple of days where you're like, uh, I'm going to go ahead and call your husband. Exactly. <laughs> Something's not right. And having the fact that my husband would come in, you would explain to him what's going on. I even have a video of you explaining to me. So I went home. I knew how to rap. Um, and there's many things that many tools that we use. Some work, mm -hmm. some didn't work. Mm -hmm. But for people who have um, 
insurance, such as I, I had the insurance that we get everything. But there's a lot of people who don't have the insurance that can't get these um these uh, gadgets, these devices, these big old things that cost so much money. How do you work with that when you have someone who is um, in need of a sleeve or a device and something so simple as the thing that helps you put on your garment? How, how do you help them out? Well, I think it's helpful to just be involved in community resources. So a mm -hmm. lot of it is case management. Because you're right, even people that have insurance mm -hmm. have trouble paying for some of the supplies because lymphedema is a very supply-heavy diagnosis, yes. as you know. And I believe in um, everybody having a, a toolbox, like a lymphedema, lymphedema toolbox. So yeah, um, various ways, you know, A, we are very expert in writing letters of medical necessity because you yes. always have to educate. And you talked about me educating your husband. So I believe knowledge is power. So the more education somebody has about their own self-care, the more buy-in you have to it. And it's not gonna be successful unless you're educated to it and you're on board. So, mm -hmm. and then, you know, if your village is educated too, that's even another plus. So, you know, yeah. that's always a imperative. Secondly, um, in educating just other healthcare providers, you know, yeah. because um, you really need to educate them for them to buy in them to maybe approve of funding, you know, either be through charity or like community type of um, resources. So we educate um, other healthcare providers. And thirdly, um, you know, working at where I work right now at um, Rex, we have something called an angel fund. So mm. um, the angel fund would help patients that had cancer get the equipment that they need. And that's been very helpful too. Because I, like you said, even someone who has good insurance, it's still costly. I wear a glove and a sleeve. Mm -hmm. The glove can be up to like $400, $500, depending on the compression or the color I want, um, the degree of whatever. It is very costly. And then you have to buy a sleeve. And who just wants one glove and one sleeve? Exactly. Because exactly. all you're doing is touching stuff. It's getting exactly. dirty. You got to pull it off. Exactly. And then if you need a pad in the inside, mm -hmm. it's so many things that you have to have. Mm -hmm. But coming into your office, when mm -hmm. someone's coming into your office on a referral to you, what should they expect? They should... Um... First of all, if you're coming in for a lymphedema consult, you want to mm -hmm. make sure you're seeing somebody who is a certified lymphedema therapist, number one. Um, mm -hmm. Number two, the initial um, consultation, it's usually you would expect to get measured, like whatever um, body part is uh, at risk of having lymphedema or suffering from lymphedema, you would be measured. You would measure if it's arms, you would have somebody measure your unaffected arm and then your affected arm just to kind of compare to get a baseline. And this is if you think you have lymphedema or if you think you're at risk of getting lymphedema, because I always believe I like prevention. So mm -hmm. I think anybody that is at risk of getting lymphedema, be it um, someone that's had like um, a breast cancer or had lymph, um, lymph nodes taken out, like a lymph node dissection, radiation, some chemotherapies. Um, and there's, that's just a very small proportion, but... Um, yeah, so you would expect to get, like I said, measured, number one, to um, educate it to the gold standard for lymphedema treatment, which yes. is 
it's called Combined Decongestive Therapy or CDT, and it um, comprises, it's involved with um, lymphedema education, skin care, compression devices, exercise. Um, sometimes that includes other modalities like a, what they call a basopneumatic compression pump. Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of knowing what could be in a lymphedema toolbox. But I think it's yeah. all important not to scare anyone because not everybody needs it. And if you go yeah. on the internet, and I just like to tell people to make sure you check your resources because a lot of times um, people believe in shock therapies. So yeah. <laughs> if you look up lymphedema, they're always going to show you the worst possible the worst. case scenario. And, and that's, you know, I, I've been doing this for umpteen years and I can tell uh -huh. you how many times I've seen the worst possible scenario. So um, I would just say, you know, guard your resources and basically expect to be educated, measured, and to just basically know what, you know, what you can do to kind of prevent it from getting worse and what you can do to make it to get better, pretty much. Because I found my lymphedema um, really was getting worse when I had radiation, after radiation, and I had cording. And, um, I, I was, I was actually being seen, um, she was doing a very good job, but she says you need a little bit more and we don't offer it here. So I believe it was called cold laser. Yes. Yes. So they didn't have it there, but I liked the fact that uh, Teresa was like, but you can go here and here is, you know, this can help you here. Cause I can't do it here. We don't have the resources and we just don't have the the technologies or the tool and i'm like cold laser what the i had no idea what i was walking into mm -hmm. and i remember coming to you and even getting scheduled was difficult sometimes mm -hmm. so i had to find out okay i need to make sure i schedule ahead of time i need to make sure i'm consistent and i need to make sure that i'm good with the scheduler too so when i walked in it was like hi guys how you doing you have to have this great relationship because it starts at the front desk. Okay. And I must say the person at the front desk at Rex, they were great. Yeah. And they yeah. always made sure that, nope, she wants Valerie. She, okay, we we're going to put her in. We'll put her on this list. And that was so important. So when I came to you, I was coming in for cording and cold laser. Can you tell us a little bit about what cording and using, and I don't even know if they still use cold laser. It's been a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, cording is something that um, some people that have uh, treatment for um, breast cancer or usually radiation, they develop and the um, origins or the etiology is still kind of unknown, but it presents itself usually in the armpit or the what we call the axilla. And a lot of times it looks like the cords on a guitar, pretty much. That's why they call it cording. A lot of times if somebody raises their arm, you can see actual um, cords that kind of mm -hmm. appear and sometimes it can go from the armpit and they can travel either towards your wrist or mm -hmm. they can travel down the side of your body pretty much. But if you can imagine that you, of course, you can imagine because you had it, but <laughs> yeah. you know, the people listening, it, um, it's kind of like a tight rubber band that just does mm -hmm. not want to give. So if you try to raise your arm up or you try to reach for something, it's like something is just holding you down mm -hmm. pretty much. And um, a lot of times the treatment for it is um, gentle stretching because um, a lot of times it's, it's kind of like um, scar tissue, but it's not mm -hmm. really scar tissue, but we treat it kind of like scar tissue mm -hmm. as far as, 
if you want a rubber band to stretch, the best way to do it is just to do it gentle. You don't kind mm -hmm. of pull on it really quick because you can pop it, you know. But so recording, same thing. So a lot of times we use exercise. We do something called strumming. So the chords are oriented vertically. We would go across horizontally to kind of disrupt the chord. Mm -hmm. um, modalities that we would use would be a cold laser. And cold laser, it looks like... Um, little thing that the doctors use to check your ear when mm -hmm. you're um, uh, examining your ear and just met the low level light and it helps it goes into your um, your soft tissue like a certain amount of millimeters mm -hmm. and it just helps to like speed up the metabolism there so with the cold laser and with some um, manual therapy it's been very effective at helping with cording it helps with um decreasing scar tissue also mm -hmm. and it's um you know pretty non-invasive you know it's just yeah. it only goes in like a couple of millimeters but um luckily we were we had that at rex and it was very uh very effective. it was very helpful mm -hmm. yeah it was effective and helpful even with mm -hmm. stretching because when you explained to me okay it's like a guitar string and then i could feel it mm -hmm. and then when you would work on it i could feel it releasing Mm -hmm. And even uh, when I went back for reconstruction surgery, they kind of went in there and kind of cleaned it up a bit. Mm -hmm. And that helped. But like you said, the scar tissue on top of your arm swelling or different parts of your body swelling, because you, you deal with the arms, the legs, and what other areas for looking basically have lymphedema in any part of your body. So okay. sometimes we have patients that have had oral cancer so they've had uh, surgery for oral cancer and they might have had radiation so um they might get swelling in their face or mm -hmm. in their throat or in their what they call the submental area which is like right underneath your chin so mm -hmm. we can do um treatment for that you know arms some people get it just in their breast um, mm -hmm. if you're dealing with somebody um that has like a lower extremity involvement or um like gynecological cancers and it could be in the legs Mm -hmm. uh, or the ankle or the foot because of um, trauma. So really anywhere in the body. And okay. then, you know, we have some people that are just born with it also. So and we, kids with it as well. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I had um, a child that was um, born with it and it was in mm -hmm. basically the majority of his body except his face. So in the arms and the legs. And, um, and in that case, you really involve the parents and you know, teach them how to do the treatment, like a lymphatic massage and mm -hmm. aquatic therapy is something that yes. we use also. So we use aquatic therapy with him and, and he did well. He did well, well, that's good. Mm -hmm. That's good to hear because lymphedema is, even though it's physical, it's also mental. Definitely. Definitely, Definitely mentally. Uh, every time I was wrapped, people thought, did my husband beat me up? Was I burnt bad? Mm -hmm. um, I remember us being on a trip and um, one of his friends couldn't make it. So he took a picture of all of us and we sent it. And he said back, well, wow, what's wrong with your wife's arm? It's so big. And, you know, yeah, me being me, her. it was like, what, what, what in the world? Mm -hmm. And after that, I was like, I really don't want to deal. I was in a mood, but I had to change my mindset. Mm -hmm. But it's just like people will talk about it and be like, oh, okay. Like, you're just supposed to be okay with it. Exactly. And um, like even 
figuring out what to wear. It'll pull on one side. You have to get your clothes a little bit bigger so they look ill-fitting because you're trying to satisfy what looks right on the right, which would look right on the left. And then if you have lymphedema in your dominant hand, which an arm, which is me, it's very difficult to write things and do things like that. So it is a mental, physical, it impacts every part of your life. Just like you said, stretching and just getting a coffee cup or writing things for a long period of time, it affects the way you feel. So what are some um, suggestions that you might have for the audience when we're talking about the mental side of it? I think that is um, kind of multifactorial, but I think Mm -hmm. depending on what calms certain people. So Mm -hmm. I know I'm a big proponent of yoga. Mm -hmm. So I think yoga definitely helps because it's all about getting yourself in a good headspace pretty much. And um, if you have like, there's certain stages of lymphedema. So if you have um, like a stage two and beyond, then it's considered chronic. Mm -hmm. So it's chronic, just like any other um, issue that somebody might have like diabetes or hypertension. And I think uh, just learning healthy coping mechanisms and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it's major to have a village, Yeah, you know, people that support you, people that love you, people Mm -hmm. that understand you, people that let you curse, cry, do whatever you need to do just to get it out. (laughs) It's hard. Um, I think, you know, physical fitness is good. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's good to control the things you can control. So, Mm -hmm. you know, lymphedema, a lot of times, you know, no matter, even in the best case scenarios, you might have flare ups, you might have exacerbations. Mm-hmm. And it's not a reflection on you. It's just the, the disease process, you know, it's going to mm-hmm. ebb and flow. But, you know, usually it comes to like a pretty steady space. Um, but I think just kind of a being kind to yourself, mm-hmm. be doing things that you enjoy doing in spite of be it running, yes. be it swimming, be it cooking, be it, um, like I said, yoga, um, just I think just finding good coping mechanisms and just finding out what makes you happy and what makes you feel like you have control and what makes yeah. you, um, you know, I wish, you know, we were talking about dressing and somebody like me was beautiful and fashionable. You know, I wish <laughs> well, that thank I, you. it's always been a goal and I would love to uh, have the money to start a clothing line, mm-hmm. you know, for, for people that are experiencing swelling in a body part. Yeah. Because it's, it's like you said, I know it's just something that should be enjoyable, like, growing um clothes shopping can be yeah. very uh demoralizing i can imagine it it you is know, and, and people it have to be yeah and people are always saying why don't you like shopping and i don't want to mm-hmm. go into the whole spill of it that i have mm-hmm. to match this for that and then finally i i got a tailor and going to them and having them do it so but it's a layer of things but doing mm-hmm. the things that you actually enjoy and having a village Um, My husband is always popping up with new things. Matter of fact, I have, I meant to bring it in here. He is a massager that um, you use for your neck. Mm -hmm. He now uses, you know, he was like, try this for your lymphedema at night. It's it's on the top of your skin and Mm -hmm. call Valerie and ask her what she thinks about (laughs) it. (laughs) So I haven't called you to ask you what you thought about it, but it actually works when I have the tightness in my chest Mm -hmm. because it's from my chest to my shoulders. And it all Mm -hmm. depends on what I was doing that day. Mm -hmm. And it can be something very light or it could be hot outside Mm -hmm. or when I used to travel a whole lot. 
Mm-hmm. I used to make sure I always set up my appointments after I travel with right. you so I can get that drainage. Now, mm-hmm. when I come in to an appointment and we've gone through the intro of it, right? And mm-hmm. I'm now here and you're about to start working on my lymphatic system. And I must say you were the first person that staged my lymphedema or mentioned it. And then for me, that was another blow because I was like, stage two, what What in the world? What is this? Mm-hmm. And the ebbs and flows, just like you said, the ebbs and flows, that's actually in my intro. I talk about the ebbs and flow of this, this journey that we're on. Um, so now that I'm on your table and um, close on, close off, how does it work? Yeah. So th- this would be um, probably after your initial evaluation mm-hmm. or could be in conjunction with, but um, if we're dealing with the upper body lymphedema, then you would take your clothes off because mm-hmm. it's basically the treatment. It consists of, um, you know, skin contact because your lymphatic system, uh, what we're dealing with, the lymph vessels are underneath the skin and on top mm-hmm. of the muscle. So we do something called a manual lymphatic drainage and I always equate it to um, kind of like a, a sink with a claw mm-hmm. in it. So, cause a lot of times the treatment starts at the neck because that's where all the um, lymphatic fluid kind of ends up going towards your neck. And then from there it goes into your subclavian vein and it goes to your heart pretty much. Mm-hmm. So us as therapists, we're just doing, helping the body does do what it would do naturally, which is kind of, you know, pushing it along kind of like uh, brushing water off of a, um, off a porch, pretty much mm-hmm. just kind of helping it to, to go where it needs to go. Um, but we kind of, we start the treatment, very light massage. We would start it at your neck because again, you want to open up the drain before you start bringing more water to the drain. Mm-hmm. And then there's um, different sequences that you do depending on where the blockage is, depending on um, where the surgery was, depending on where scar tissue is. And then you would just follow certain pathways and it's kind of like um, if, you know, usually if somebody has lymphedema because of having like breast cancer, they've had breast surgery, and they've had lymph nodes removed underneath their armpit, we would kind of do a detour because it's mm-hmm. like a roadblock pretty much. So instead of having it go straight to where it normally would go to, it's we would just kind of move it over and find a different pathway to get to the terminus where it would normally end up. Mm-hmm. So and it's kind of like creating... Um, walking in a forest and making a new path, you know, the more you walk on the forest, the more you, you know, walk on that new path, then everything would kind of flow towards that new path. And afterwards, after you have that drainage done, and it's about what, about an hour? It's usually an hour. Yeah. It's usually an hour. Um, it could be more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, my, I my had training. the longer sessions. Yeah. <laughs> that, and then my training, you know, when you were just backtrack a little bit, when we were talking about, um, you know, how to get supplies for people Mm -hmm. and this whole um, system of medicine, the initial training, initial um, discovery of it was in Europe. Mm -hmm. So in Europe, they have socialized medicine. So the ideal treatments, a lot of times you're not governed by uh, insurance saying that you have Blue Cross Blue Shield or whatever insurance you have, not calling out Blue Cross Blue Shield, but just using that (laughs) as an example. Um, Yeah. Usually they say you can have like, you know, maybe three treatments a week for 60 mm-hmm. minutes. Um, you know, in the ideal wow. setting, the, the way I was trained would be um, daily, you know, daily for two weeks. 
Um, and sometimes in Europe, it'd be twice a day for two weeks. And then it might be three times a week for two weeks. And then, you know, it's a gradual. So that's the mm -hmm. ideal situation. So, um, and then as far as your compression garments, you normally, because we would expect to see a reduction in your girth, mm -hmm. the circumference of whatever we're treating, which means you would need new garments. Yeah. Usually you would get new garments every three to six months. So um, we would be, a, we would do the treatment, like I said, for here in America for about an hour. And then if it's in the intensive phase, usually there's the intensive phase when you first start coming in and we're trying to um, decrease the fluid volume. So we would do the massage. And then after the massage, we want to keep the fluid from going back into the tissue. So because we're pushing it into the lymph vessel. So we would um, use compression. And compression mm -hmm. just kind of keeps it from filling back up. That's when you would be bandaged with the picture that you showed, the arm bandage. Um, after a certain amount of time, once it decreases, and we'd be doing like periodic measurements, once it decreases, we would fit you for a compression garment. So part of your treatment would be um, just figuring out what is the end game, like what is going to be your lymphedema toolbox. Is it going to be mm -hmm. a daytime compression garment only, daytime compression, nighttime compression, sometimes it's a compression garment and um, a vasonomatic compression pump, which is basically a pump that uh, moves the fluid. It's like a air massage that you can do mm -hmm. at home. And it looks like the, like a snow, those old fashioned snow suits that, you know, those from us from the I, North is the way. I have one of those. And then I have a, a, a updated one now. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you even helped me with a vest that I exactly. had. Exactly. Um, I even had pads for the breast. Um, mm -hmm. And you don't know how many wraps I have like okay. everywhere the wraps and even things where you can hook on the doorknob to help mm -hmm. you put the garment on if you're by yourself mm -hmm. or the handy dandy rubber gloves. Exactly. You taught me that the rubber mm -hmm. glove, just pull it, push it up and mm -hmm. you can get it on. Mm -hmm. And I know after um, majority, almost 99% of my treatments with you, I had to go to the restroom afterwards. Yeah. And why is that? Yeah, I always say if you have to go to the bathroom, if you have to jump off my table and yeah. run to the bathroom, then I did my job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I already knew that. Okay, y'all going to see me. I don't even care. I have to go to the bathroom. Exactly. And I was thankful for, I think it was number 12 or 13, whatever room we were in, it yeah. was near the bathroom. <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> the fact that I remember that and you knew that I would be one of those patients, like, I got to go. <laughs> exactly. And it's, like I said, it made success because basically we're taking the fluid from what they call, without getting too medical, the interstitial mm -hmm. spaces, so the spaces, um, pushing it into your lymphatic vessels, lymphatic vessels kind of direct it to your organs of excretion, being mm -hmm. your lungs and your kidneys. So if mm -hmm. it's going to your kidneys, then that means that we're moving fluid out of the tissue spaces, helping it get into your circulatory system and helping to expel it. So- okay. That's, that's why you'd have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would definitely do it something right. Yeah. Now, I think I remember you working on a project where you had to fly out and there were working on different surgeries for lymphedema. Yes. Is yes. that still going on? Yes. Or what, really or what did you do? Yeah. So we, um, I went with a couple, with a client and 
with another therapist. So we found out that they're at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, which is um, connected to Harvard in mm-hmm. Massachusetts, Boston, Massachusetts. There's um, surgeons, Dr. Segal, and like a handful of surgeons that are doing um, microscopic surgery. So these are they're the surgeons that are very highly specialized and they're doing lymphatic surgery. So up to now, there hasn't been a lot of success in lymphatic surgeries, but they have the equipment, they have the tools. So now they're operating on lymph vessels and a lymph vessel to the naked eye is smaller than dental floss. So if you can just imagine having to operate on something like that and you really need very high tech equipment to be able, even able to see, you know, when you're in a surgical field. So, um, Make a long story short, they're doing um, very um, successful surgery to help lymphedema. And they're doing um, lymph node transplants, which is uh, very successful mm-hmm. for a lot of clients. And they're doing something called a lymph venous um, connection. So they basically connect a lymph vessel to um, your a vein, and that kind of helps with the drainage also. Wow, and you were able to you were able to see some of this while you were up there. We were able to um, see because it's a very kind of they have to really evaluate each client to see Mm -hmm. medically. So it took a week of testing with different medical professionals to um, even see if this client that I went with was a candidate. And. and they also do a psychological profile too, because you have to really buy in once again yeah. to the whole treatment. And so, yeah, I got to see the whole process, all the different um, testing that they do and um, returned with her in the future. And she did have the surgery and mm-hmm. um, it was very, very successful. Wow. And now we also have a doctor here in um, North Carolina that's doing it, Dr. Yemi at UNC. What? Yeah. And I've had a, <laughs> client of his that um that she had a lower extremity lymphedema and um, hers was very successful as well i have been waiting for someone to come to north carolina mm-hmm. because that is something that i really want to consider mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but i want to make sure that i am physically in a good space mentally in a good space for any more surgeries that i choose or not choose to do, but because being physically fit, uh, mentally capable, those things are so important. And losing weight with lymphedema really does help. Mm-hmm. Um, does I, help. I found myself having to wear my sleeve less because I needed it as a choice versus I have to put this on every single day. Like I'm flying out in a few days and I have to put on a sleeve. Mm-hmm. And when I fly out, it never fails. I go through, they have to use this little thing. And it's like, we got to make sure there's no cocaine in your sleeve. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I take this off, somebody's going to help me put it back on, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. And it is, I've always been stopped going through. And that's one of the things that I don't look forward to for flying. Mm-hmm. And when I land, I go straight into the room and I massage my chest. I start with the neck. And I'm doing this and everybody's looking at me like, um, what's wrong with you? I said, I have to get this off of me if I'm going to enjoy the rest of my day. Mm-hmm. And then I can choose whether or not for me to wear my sleeve just because it might not go with the outfit. That's why I bought multiple ones. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and sometimes you want to be free from it. Exactly. 
So um, I was trying to put my sleeve on before um, we started. And I was like, I'm sweating. I'm going to sweat my hair out. <laughs> Just try to put it on. But um, it is important to wear your sleeve. Use your tools in your lymphatic um, toolbox because they do help. Exactly. And it, I think the more tools you have, like you were saying, oh, yeah. like when you fly, because when you fly, it's all about pressure. So mm-hmm. you have decreased atmospheric pressure in an airplane mm-hmm. when you fly. And that's why even people that don't have lymphedema have a tendency to just kind of get a little bit more swollen. But when you have mm-hmm. lymphedema, it's important to wear a sleeve or have some kind of compression on. Um, but you're right. You know, I think a lot of times it's good to be able to have uh, choice and control. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you may not want to use your sleeve because your sleeve is purple and you want to wear pink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You do something else in your toolbox like you do, you know, just do your massage or elevate yeah. or use your exactly. pump. But yeah, so it is important to have different tools. I even have a little brush that again, my honey got for me, mm-hmm. uh, soft bristle. And we just, he was like, does this work? Tell Valerie about this one. <laughs> or the little, um, they're not stones. The gua use, Yeah. Yes. So I, I have, I have different um, sizes that I'll take with me and I'll make sure I pack them in my carry on just mm-hmm. in case when I have a, you know, a layover, I can go ahead and start using that. But just the different tools, people mm-hmm. don't understand it. But it's not meant for you to understand. It's about me feeling better about myself. Exactly. And like you said, controlling what you can control. And um, and your husband is on point with uh, uh, brushing because brushing mm-hmm. helps. Yeah. And also with, um, you had mentioned earlier, with vibration. So mm-hmm. vibration also helps to move um, lymphedema also. Mm-hmm. So he's uh, tell him yes, yes to both. <laughs> <laughs> And what shouldn't you do with lymphedema? Like in the picture that I showed earlier, I definitely had, um, every time I went into the hospital, they had to write no IV, no BP, no SQ, do not use. Like it's important to know what you cannot do with lymphedema too. Yeah. So, um, you showed a picture of your arm. So if you have Mm -hmm. an arm with lymphedema or any body part with lymphedema, we'll just talk about an arm or leg. You basically, it's already struggling, or I shouldn't say struggling, but it's working a little bit harder to Mm -hmm. circulate the same amount of fluid. So you circulate about two and a half liters of fluid a day in your body. Um, So if you have an impairment in the plumbing, so to speak, Mm -hmm. then it's already working harder at rest to try to circulate that amount of fluid. So the things you don't want to do is cause any more insult to injury. So you don't want to do anything that causes um, constriction on the lymph vessels. So that's why they say no blood pressure cuffs because that's, you know, could be constricting. You don't want to do needle sticks on that arm because you don't want to um, introduce any kind of foreign bodies because you might make yourself at risk of getting an infection and um, your skin is your body's biggest defense against infection. So you want to avoid any like um, any puncture wounds or um, any ill-fitting uh, jewelry, like anything that's gonna be tight on your hand or your wrist. Um, if it's your legs, you don't wanna have like tight-fitting socks. So anything that's gonna impede your circulation is you pretty mm-hmm. much wanna avoid. 
And uh, I'm glad you mentioned jewelry. I have not wore my wedding ring in over 10 years mm -hmm. because of lymphedema. Mm -hmm. And the one time that I wore it around my neck, I lost it. Someone found it and didn't want to give it back to me. <laughs> that was a whole police process to get that ring back. Um, but that was a big thing for me, uh, being, you know, diagnosed why I was planning my wedding, having my ring, having to wear it, and then right after, not wear it again. Because not wear it on the left hand, mm -hmm. right, again. And for me, I didn't want to wear it if I couldn't wear it on my left hand. And that was a real thing. You can't wear jewelry. So if you're stuck with a watch on this arm and you want this on and you want a bracelet, you can't put the bracelet on the on the other arm because your arm will start to swell. You might not know it, but you're walking. Your arm is down. So it really is that third wheel that I talk about. I have to consider all the things that I used to do with my left arm that I no longer can. Mm -hmm. And that, that was a big thing. What about hot tubs being in heat? So um, in the beginning of um, my training, which was mm -hmm. many years ago, there was a list of things that you were not supposed to do. And again, you know, I guess as you learn more, you can give better advice. So mm -hmm. um, as the field of the lymphatic system and lymphedema um, grew, then the recommendations changed. So initially, mm. It said there was a list, and I remember having to give this list to patients. And yeah, I, I remember the list. I had a certain kind of feeling about it because I hate saying "do not." Yeah, but the <laughs> list, the wording was "do not get into a hot tub." Mm -hmm. uh, that you know, that was one of them, and that has subsequently been changed to avoid prolonged exposure in a hot tub. Yeah, which means that you can get into a hot tub and. Usually they say 15, 20 minutes, everybody's individual, but mm -hmm. you know, 15, 20 minutes, get in, like, um, then get out, see if it affects your extremity. If it's not, get back in again. Yeah. So there's like, again, it's avoiding, but you still can do. And so I think, I'm again, going to the hot springs because <laughs> I'm going to Colorado mm -hmm. and I am and having a ball and one of the things I want to do is go to the hot springs but the first thing I remember is that list and then I also remember that things have changed and it's based on the individual and you know 15 minutes even with hot yoga considering doing hot yoga like you have to think about everything that would be normal for other people but you have to be careful because of you know what what the disease may or may not do that day and it can be different each time Exactly. And I think yeah. it's, again, it's, I think the field's evolved enough mm -hmm. to know that not everybody's not like a cookbook and yes. not everybody with lymphedema is going to respond the same. So again, it's just, I think education and being aware and, you know, within that awareness, um, just test the waters. You know, yeah, so to speak, I and, plan and on see. doing it. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. You should. Because, car, you absolutely should. Yeah, should. I already know I have my toolbox. I have my bags back. And I know I'm going to have someone calling me. Are you okay? What's it looking like? Is everything good? Send me a picture. And I'm like, I am just fine. Mm -hmm. And the good thing is the friends that I'm traveling with also know. Exactly. And exactly. so they're helpful. And I, I feel comfortable about with the village that I'm going to be with. Exactly. So that's definitely important. Well, what are you doing right now, Miss Valerie? What, what does it look like for you now? 
um, as far as my career. Before your career. And I know that you're working on something about yoga. I don't know yes. if you want to share. Yes. Um, <laughs> again, I am. Um, I still work for UNC Rex, but I'm working in a home health setting. Okay. So I see people in their homes. And I'm also working on a 500-hour yoga therapy certification. Mm-hmm. And my long-term goal with that is to work with um, patients that have lymphedema, patients that have other um, health issues. And this yoga is just another a system of medicine, pretty much. And I just see so many like parallels to some of the... Um, yoga, even like some of the, the breathing things that we do in yoga mm-hmm. are, that's one of the exercises that we tell people to do with lymphedema, diaphragmatic breathing. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Uh, a lot of the things that we do in therapy come from a very old thousand year old system of medicine called yoga. So mm-hmm. once I started seeing a lot of the parallels, I wanted to just dig in deeper. So I'm halfway through my certification and yay. Um, yeah, I just kind of plan on using it just to um, facilitate, you know, healing, help healing, help with coping. Um, it's just like the whole gambit, pretty much. I so cannot wait for that to happen yeah, because I will be there. Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Because I want to have, uh, you know, different things for, like I said, lymphedema, um, oncology, just um, different chronic conditions, even like diabetes and um, there's just so many things that this can fit into and, and to help. And again, it's all about prevention. So I believe about, I believe in prevention. Prevention is the key, even from mm-hmm. early detection Definitely. to, um, I believe that when I remember when I was, um, right after surgery, they sent someone in and they asked me to lift up my arms and do like these kind of exercises. And they didn't really tell me why. Mm-hmm. and why I was doing it. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, you have lymphedema and that's why we told you to do those things. But it it wasn't really explained to me then uh, what's the point. And I wish I would have had my arm measured before I had anything done. That way I had a starting point and an and end point. So every time I went to have surgery on whatever, because I've had multiple surgeries and you've been there for most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to see if there was a change. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there was a change um, significantly to the swelling and what needs to be done. And then we see the cording going down and just mm-hmm. different things happening. But that prevention piece of, mm-hmm. if you know, radiation or removing lymph nodes is going to change how your body looks, behaves and want to work with you, mm-hmm. that we should be measured beforehand. Exactly. That would yeah. be the ideal situation. Yeah. Um, again, I think a lot of things are insurance driven and yeah. a lot of times insurances only pay if there is a diagnosis, you know, mm-hmm. we're trying to prevent a diagnosis. So I think anyone that is um, going to have surgery for um, like, like a breast cancer related surgery or anything that involves um, dealing with your lymphatic system or having um, lymph nodes removed or having radiation, you know, it's good to just, you know, when a powerful tool in your own toolbox pre-surgery or pre-radiation is a like less than $5 tape measure, like a cloth tape measure. And a lot of times I'll tell people to just measure, you know, it's like maybe four points of measurement right across your knuckles. 
mm-hmm. your wrist, your elbow. And then if you draw a straight line from your armpit right out to your arm, measure that. And then just write it down and compare it, measure both sides pretty much. And you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to be, you know, uh, scary about it, but just to have like some information. Yeah. And then maybe after your treatment, a couple of weeks, measure again, you know, maybe a couple of weeks later, measure again. And um, if you see no difference, then that's great. But if you do yeah. see even a two, we do everything in um, centimeters. So even if you see a, a two centimeter difference, then you need to contact your physician to send you to a uh, lymphedema therapist just to get some education. Yeah, I and remember. Even if you going... don't, it's still good. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. It's even, even if good you just don't. to get that information still, even after. Yeah. And I think that, and with my doctor, um, when I mentioned it, she was like, yeah, let me go ahead and send you here. And that doesn't always happen. So you need to be an advocate. You need to know what's going on. And it's all about prevention. But sometimes you have so much going on that that's the last thing that you're thinking about. But it's something that um, it's like a buy-in, getting everybody to buy into what's really going on. Mm -hmm. So... um, Valerie, oh my goodness, you know this is going to be a two-part series, right? That's fine with me. We're we're doing the podcast, and then I know people are going to have questions, so we're definitely going to do a live in a couple of months where I have you and another professional on just to talk about lymphedema and how can we prevent it from happening or taking care of ourselves, and just a different toolbox. I love how you said you need a toolbox. And mm-hmm. I have a serious toolbox here. I was going to, because it's a podcast, I didn't bring it all out. But next time we meet, I'm going to have all my machines behind me. I have mm-hmm. all the wraps that I have, all the different things that I have to make my life work. Because this mm-hmm. third wheel, I want it to be in the background, sit in the back seat while I continue to be in the front seat and I drive what's going on. So Valerie, is there anything else you would like to say to our audience before we wrap up? Well, I just would like to thank you for bringing this out of the shadows and into the light pretty much. Cause again, you know, it's all about education, education, knowledge is power. And mm-hmm. um, I think we should just keep on the journey of, you know, telling more people and, I think, you know, the more people that know, the more people are at decreased risk of having to get to a further stage than lymphedema. Yeah. So thank exactly. you. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Valerie. Guys, if you want to know more about lymphedema, please see our website because I actually have the article that I did with you um, for Rex and it has a lot of information on there. If you just go under our, our articles, you can see that. And Stay away from Google when you're looking at stuff for lymphedema. Actually contact a professional so they can tell you the right websites. And I don't know if you have any websites or anything you could tell them if they're looking for more information on how to handle lymphedema. Yes. So the first one that comes to mind is the National Lymphedema Network or NLN. Mm-hmm. And that site has a plethora of information. And it's all vetted by, you know, medical professionals. So it's not uh, overly, it's not like uh, just using scare tactics, pretty much. It's very good educational. That's good. And if you guys want to email me at chemoglow at gmail.com, I will make sure that I get all of your questions answered. 
And Valerie, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today on my podcast. And I'm looking forward to you actually being on one of the lives. So thank you again. Thanks for having me. All right. I appreciate you. Well, guys, this has been a great show. I can't wait to have Miss Valerie on for one of our lives in a couple of months. But remember about this third wheel. You have to make sure you're an advocate. And it's all about provision. And the ebbs and flows of a breast cancer diagnosis, again, is never ending. But we can also be the one to drive our treatment and how we deal with it. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Again, go to our website, check out our website, get some more information. And remember, the glow doesn't define me. I define the glow. If you got any questions, check us out. I appreciate you guys. Have a good one.